Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Our Father, we are so grateful that we can say, Our Father. You have, by the redemptive work of your Son, made it possible for you to have the freedom to fully, completely embrace us. You love mercy. You love us. We are so grateful that that is what the true and living Creator God, the God of all things, is. That is your nature. We are asking that this morning, as we gather together, every authentic believer indwelt by God the Holy Spirit, that you will enable us to encourage one another to hear from God the Holy Spirit through his word that our spirits, our souls might be strengthened and energized unto greater peace, joy, and glory for you. We ask this for this divine outcome in your name, Good Shepherd, 
our intercessor Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit's letter to the Colossians, his personal secretary was a fellow by the name of Paul, the apostle, but this is God's word. Colossians chapter 1. Now I've printed here in the bulletin, this is what Mr. Lara is ready to put up on the screen. I'm going to actually back up a couple verses. Um to where Paul says in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins. He, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a, a minister, a servant. Who is our Redeemer? Jesus Christ. What is the fullness of who He is? Our first encounter, our first benefit that comes to us being brought into the kingdom, that is when we are embraced by His redemptive work. He is the Redeemer. He is the Savior. He is the one, as described in this passage, the one who offered Himself up as a most holy sacrifice. He offered Himself up on the cross. What did John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But having been shepherded into His kingdom 
into the Redeemer's kingdom by the Redeemer and by the work in our own life experience, the Holy God, the Holy Spirit, exposing us to that message, giving us understanding, giving us the incentive to allow Him to embrace Him, and then we embrace Him back. And here we are. He is the Redeemer God. He is also everything else and more than we will ever, ever, ever need. He is absolute Lord. As we emphasized last week, as the Holy Spirit, I should say, emphasized last week through this letter, our God is more than adequate in the face of every challenge we could ever possibly meet. He is with us. He is with us. Don't ever, ever, ever listen to the enemy's lie that you have somehow been abandoned or God is distracted or, I mean, we're all knuckleheads. <laughs> we all fall for dumb statements, or at least Satan throws these things at us in desperate hope that we will believe what he's throwing at us. But Satan is a liar. And his most incentive, in, incessant lies are about what our God is like. If he can get us to not trust God because he's lied to us about God... What did he do as the serpent in the garden with Eve? He lied about God and God's truthfulness to her. He does that with a, he, he uses the same tactics, worked before. But we have the truth laid out for us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The Son whom He, God the Father, loves is now our Redeemer. Our, we are in His, Jesus' kingdom. Yes, we are in a hostile environment, but who is the Lord even in this hostile environment? Our God is absolute, unrestrained God here. He can deliver you out of the enemy's hand at no matter how strongly the enemy comes at us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood. What is the ultimate proof that God loves us Christ paid sin's penalty for us. What further proof do we need? We don't need any greater proof. Yes. We have his resurrection. That is the visual, physical proof that what he accomplished on the cross was done and it accomplished its purpose. Absolutely. He is the image of of the invisible God. The reason we read from John chapter 1 in our call to worship, our opening prayer, was because it tracks with this Colossians passage. What does John chapter 1 say? In the beginning. Let's back up. What other book of the Bible starts with in the beginning? Book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
verse 2, and the earth was a ruin and a desolation. It was an absolute mess. And God, chapter, verse 3 of chapter 1 of Genesis, and God said, let there be light. And God said, and God said, if you read through the paragraph, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, the, the God who speaks, the God, God the Son, we know from John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Lagos, the speaker, the word. What do we see in Genesis 1? God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. In the beginning was the Lagos, the speaker. And the Lagos was in face-to-face relation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word, the preposition there in the Greek language means face-to-face, pros. He was in front of. He's got a father-son relationship. In the beginning was the Word, the speaker, and the Word was with God. And this is the Greek word order. It is as emphatic in Greek as it is in English, and God was the word. You know, if you have these uh, JWs show up and you're, you know, knocking on your door, they actually have this very stupid, they have a bad translation, which of course is bad because they're wicked people who want to promote. Their translation of John 1.1 is, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. That's their translation. The, the actual Greek text is as emphatic the other direction as it can possibly be. And God was the Word. And the Word became flesh and tabernacle tented among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father. A brother just mentioned the resurrection, the glory. Those in John's gospel, those seven of all the hundreds and hundreds or thousands of signs, miracles that Jesus did, John just lays out seven. Why? Because seven's enough. If you're being instructed by God, if you're being given life and light by God, that seven's enough. (laughs) And they are called glory. He's displaying glory in those seven signs, those seven miracles in John's gospel. He is, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now think about this. What kind of a cultural environment is is Paul writing in? He uses the word image to describe Jesus. You shall not make any, what does it say in the Hebrew Scriptures? You shall not make any graven image, any image out of wood or stone or anything else, because any image you could make of me would be wrong. It's not that there's something wrong with wood or stone. It's just that it's such a limited venue to tell the truth about me. No, 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 no. And yet Paul, the Pharisee, Background first says of Jesus, his hand has to be shaking as he's writing these words. He is the image of the invisible God. You can look at Jesus and never go wrong on what is the creator God like. 
Jesus says in John 14, 6, he who has seen me has seen the Father. He who has seen me. Now he's not talking, you know, isn't it interesting we have no physical description of Jesus? Four Gospels. We don't even know what color his hair or his eyes are. We have no idea what he looked like. In fact, that's also very interesting. You read the Old Testament. You read about the apostles. All we know, David was ruddy. That's it. We have, oh, Samson, yeah, that guy, you know. It doesn't say anything about he was a muscle-bound guy. It just said in the power of God, he did these outrageously ridiculous strong things. It doesn't say anything about him being, we don't know what he looked like. That's deliberate. God doesn't want to place imagery in front of us that will point us in the wrong, draw us in the wrong direction. Even Jesus, no physical description, <coughs> because that's not an important issue with him about him. And yet Jesus says he who has seen me has seen the Father. But he's not talking about his physical form. He's talking about the works that he has done. And the words that he has said, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the God of power, <coughs> of love, of mercy. And we see all of these things played out again and again and again. If you want to have the clearest revelation of what the creator God is like, study Jesus. He who has seen me, said Jesus, has seen the Father. He is the image. That had to have been a really hard word for Paul to write. <laughs> He's got to be going, okay, I'm writing this down because it's what the Holy Spirit's shoving through my pen, but he is the image of the invisible God. But it's the picture that God sets before our eyes as we read his word and as we hear his truth from others. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All of the creation belongs to him. When Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, what did he say to the apostles? All authority and heaven and on earth has been given to me. The, on, the only begotten Son of God. Only begotten Son in the Roman Mediterranean Greek world, Jewish world, meant heir, full heir of the entire estate. When did Jesus step into that inheritance? Upon the event of crying out, it is finished. It's paid in full. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's when he was handed, when the governing, day-to-day -day governing of the affairs of the kingdom were handed off to him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. Genesis chapter 1. And God said, and God said, and God said, by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, not just the physical creation we see, can see with our eyes, 
<coughs> but all the angelic realms, visible and things that are beyond our sight, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, visible or invisible. And then he names all these power structures. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. He created all of these, all of the angelic hosts. Folks, we don't even know how much power Michael has just as a being or Gabriel or any. I mean, folks, we don't even know how many angels there are. Just fallen angels. There are 33 million Hindu gods and goddesses just in India. And they're fallen angels. They're demons. And they're part of how many billions of angels were created before there was ever a, the creation of the human race? And who was the creator of them? Jesus, the fellow whom we identify as Jesus of Nazareth, God the Son become flesh. Why is Paul going into this detail? He wants you to know, folks, this is your shepherd. There is never an issue of resources for you. All powers in the creation are from his hand, which means he has greater power. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. What power does Nero have? None. If, God, if Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, what's, what's left over? None. Nothing's left over. All things were created through him and for him. Through him and for him. He is the creative agent of the Godhead, and then the God the Father says, okay, this creation you've just completed, it's yours. It's yours. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. He has no point of creation, no point of origin. He is eternal God. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. All things are held together. All things are, you know, we've got these uh, invisible, uh, you go, you study physics, you learn all about this thing called gravity. And you learn all about, oh, the, pleasant, the planets and the stars, you know, and they're all kind of, they got magnetic fields, they got all... It's Jesus holding it together. If he were to release his grip, everything would fly apart. The entire universe is held together in his present functioning reality by his incessant power being applied we identify these things in an impersonal way as magnetic fields and gravity and all these other forces it's jesus <laughs> it's jesus holding it together he is before all things and in him all things are held together and he is the head of the body the church, and he is your Lord. 
He is your Lord. How much interest. He is the God of all things. Thankfully, folks, we don't know anybody else that has a brain this big. <laughs> that he can be absolute, unrestrained Lord of the flight of the tiniest, every tiny molecule. He knows what every molecule in his universe is doing at every moment, and he is present with us in all of who he is. The reason Paul is emphasizing this, and the reason why we need to constantly remind ourselves of this, God never leaves you alone. He is a good shepherd. A shepherd is loyal to the sheep. A shepherd puts himself between the predator and the sheep. He is present with you to meet every need you have, to lead you to the green, still waters and the green pastures, everything. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is your head, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence. And just as our brother reminded us, the resurrection tells us something. It tells us he got the job done on the cross. He came out of that tomb, and all authority in heaven and on earth was handed to him. And it wasn't just something that was on a piece of paper that said, oh, you got this authority, good luck. No. You have the authority, you will exercise it, and he is ever present with us. What does he again say in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, and I will be with you. So no matter where God's people go in carrying the gospel, he is present in all of the full reality of who he is. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. He is undiminished deity. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Every place will become a place of quiet, of order. We're told in the book of Revelation chapter 12, this is a present reality. It's going to be altered in the future. Satan stands day and night before the throne of God accusing the brethren. We know where Satan is most of the time. Now we're told in Job chapter 1, the oldest book in our Bible and the, and the newest book in our Bible both say the same thing about Lucifer. In Job chapter 1, God is on his throne and Lucifer comes and reports in. Well, what's been going on with you, Lucifer? Well, da, 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 da. oh, have you noticed my servant Job, this wonderful, righteous fellow? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> let's, let's change the subject. Now, but the day is coming. We're told in the book of Revelation chapter 12 when Satan's going to be cast out and all of his minions cast out and heaven's going to be cleansed of his presence. And then three and a half years later, He's going to be thrown into uh, all the rest of the fallen angels, cast into the lake of fire, and he's put into a, for a thousand years, into a bottomless pit. 
until God needs them for another purpose. <laughs> but whether it's in the heavens, in the invisible realms or the visible realms, our Lord Jesus is Lord, both in the heavens and on the earth. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And Revelation chapter 12 says this of Lucifer. He stands day and night before the throne of God accusing the brethren. And they, the brethren, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and because they did not love their lives even unto death by the blood of the Lamb. I have a welcome with God for one reason only, the blood of the Lamb. And when Satan challenged me down here in this hostile environment, told me to go shut up, instead I've, I started blabbing about Jesus even more than ever before. By the word of their testimony, and because they did not love their lives even unto death. And we've just prayed earlier this morning about people, Christians, who were in hostile environments where literally their very lives are threatened, but they're willing to sacrifice themselves because of their loyalty to Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives even unto death. They chose loyalty over physical life. Do you think there's a welcome in heaven, a uh, pretty glad welcome in heaven for those people? I think so. Yes. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Holy. Unrestrained moral perfection to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. We're talking, you get to step into the very presence of the holy God without any restraint because he made it possible. He changed your identity. He changed your identity. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, don't make God rebuke you. Will he? Yes, because he is loyal to you, just as a parent is loyal to their child. When the child steps out of line, a loyal parent steps in and corrects that child. Well, as we all know, some children are more correctable than other children. Don't be a knucklehead. Paul is saying, don't be a knucklehead, be correctable. If indeed you continue in the faith, that body of truth, continue in that faith, don't diminish God's truth to make your life easier. Your life might get easier, but your welcome with God will be diminished. To present you holy and blameless and under reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast, 
not backing down, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you are. What is the hope of the gospel? The day is coming. I am going to step into the welcoming presence of my God, and he is going to put his arms around me. He is going to give me a glad welcome. It is an amazing thing that in the Bible we are given permission, we are more than given permission, we are incentivized, we are urged to call God our Father. Our Father. Because that is the kind of welcome we can expect. That is the place we have with him right now. He is our Father. He never takes his gaze off of us. He is in incessant in his attention and focus on us. He's never distracted. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a servant. Here was a man whose own life story was what? He was a man who worshipped himself. He was a man who really was impressed with his own righteousness. With his own righteousness. And then God started awakening his conscience. And I think we can authentically point to at least two things. What Paul states about states in both Romans and Galatians, the law, the law. What does Jesus say to the Apostle Paul outside the gates of Damascus when he's face planted him in the dirt? It is hard for you to kick against the goads, that pointed rod with which we incentivize the oxen to do what we want. (laughs) It is hard for you to kick against the goads, plural, The book of Romans, book of Galatians, the law of God was beating the snot out of Paul, especially the 10th commandment, which he cites, I believe, in Galatians. You shall not covet. It's one thing to do the stuff or not do the stuff. God says, don't don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie about your neighbor, but not wanting to do those things? And I think the other goad was his conscience is beating him to death because he held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen to death, whose last words were, Father, do not hold this sin against them. And Saul of Tarsus knew there was no way he would have prayed that prayer. No way. And his conscience is beating him to death. On the outside, he looks like this self-righteous, and he was a self-righteous first, but his conscience is beating him up. And that man became a servant. God sent him to the Gentiles. I want to be. This message that I've just laid out to you, Colossians, was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister, a servant. God gave me the responsibility of pushing this message out throughout the Roman world.
a very hostile, dangerous environment. And what penalty will Paul pay? And they overcame him, Satan, by the, word, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And because they did not love their lives, even unto death, he will later be beheaded by order of Nero because of his loyalty to Jesus. He would not back down. By the help of God's Holy Spirit, he did not back down from the truth. Folks, he had no resource available to him that isn't available to us. God is calling us to be followers of him, as was Paul, and to believe the reality about our environment that Paul believed, that enabled him, gave him the freedom to do those things that were contrary to his own fallen nature. Paul was just as much of a sinful person as anybody here or anybody we could name. He was just as much capable of all of those things, but God, he was rescued out of it by the Redeemer and by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that same reality is ours. And we can be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, just as he was. Let's pray for one another right now to that end. Our Lord, may we please be guided by you the balance of this day, the balance of this week, we are asking for open doors of opportunity to share the redeemed, the message of redemption with our, our friends and neighbors, our, the people we run into at the store, wherever we go, with our loved ones. And we ask that as we speak words, that you would grant light and life to the hearers those who do not yet know you. We are asking for that of you, Good Shepherd Jesus, and please enable us to remember what you just said to us about who you are and all the provision you've made for us to walk in this. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd Jesus. Amen.